0: Hey, welcome to my basement, everybody. As I'm recording this, the first episode of Marvel's What If? has debuted, and I absolutely loved it. In fact, I'm going to tag on my review of the first episode after my interviews with Jeffrey Wright, who plays the Watcher in the show, Brad Winderbaum, who is the executive producer of Marvel's What If? as well as Brian Andrews, the director of the show, and AC Bradley, the head writer. We've got great conversations headed your way. But first, I have to give a special thank you to our sponsor. That is The Gaming Stadium. They are Canada's leader in online esports tournament facilitation. They've got tournaments happening every single weekend that you don't want to miss out on. And you can find out all about them at TGS.GG. Hi, I'm Victor Lucas from The Electric Playground, and I'm with uh, Brian and AC, who worked on What If. And Brian, why don't I start with you? Um, What is What If? How how about you explain this concept to our viewers?
1: Uh, What If is uh, basically a Marvel comic that was in the 70s. They did this basic, their version of the, The Twilight Zone, for those of you familiar with that. Um, epic TV show. Um, there, it was a way for them to play outside of the canon that they were creating with all their characters. What if the Hulk got smart, which eventually became canon, etc. What if Conan was hanging out in New York's modern-day New York City? You know, they've got a so, what. You know, what if Jane Foster was Thor? There's so many that they did. Um, so that was the the starting point. And Brad Winderbaum was talking with Kevin, I guess, and was kept, Brad wanted to get and do something in animation. And he thought like this would be a great way to do it and spin it, but spin it off the cinematic universe, not necessarily spin off the comics that had been done already. And, you know, the the rest is history. He kind of got it going. And next thing you know, like, AC and I are getting phone calls, you know, so that's pretty cool.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. AC, I love the show. I'm a huge fan. The first episode with Captain Carter is my favorite so far, but they're all so freaking cool. Talk to me about taking the Marvel Cinematic Universe and reinterpreting the stories for uh, animation, but still connected.
2: Can I just say, what if I had your office? That is the coolest (laughs) I've ever seen. I want to go in there and play. Um, I'm notorious for doing that. If you leave me in a room with toys, you do.
0: Well, you get the toys. You get the animated toys.
2: I did. I literally got a toy box. Um, Speaking
0: of which, there's room for a Captain Carter figure right here, front and center, right oh, there. I pre
2: ordered my Funko Pop on Amazon. <laughs> I, was right like, on. I don't <laughs> trust Marvel to remember to send me one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, when it came to what if, I was very excited because the goal wasn't so much to create an animated series for me. I'd done that, I was kind of moving past animation. I kind of came back for it because this was going to be 10 small Marvel movies. Sure, And I couldn't resist the urge of writing these iconic characters. So often in this business, I mean, things are changing, but it's usually like female writers write the female heroes, writers of color write the writers of color and white men can write whoever the heck they want. (laughs) This was like, I'm getting to write Iron Man and Killmonger and Doctor Strange. I don't even have a cape. Like I can do this. And so when it came to actually creating the episodes, the first thing i looked at was not so much the what if but looked at the characters themselves one of my favorite things to do is try and find the heart and the hero the humanity behind the iconic silhouettes and so with peggy carter she was so well established in the first avenger and the captain america movies and then oh we all love agent carter i was like she's a woman who knows her worth let's give her the opportunity to show the world it so ironically, the what if was already kind of established for the first one, which is what if Agent Carter became the first Avenger? Totally. But for me, looking into it, it was like, no, no, no. It's what if a woman stays in the room? Yeah. What happens when a woman is giving a chance to have a point of view, have a voice to carry a shield, both literally and metaphorically? Well, then the world changes. <laughs> Everything <laughs> That's changes. Awesome. And it was just yeah. an honor and a treat to write
0: well it it comes across it's wonderful bradley whitford plays a delicious scumbag in the show Uh, but brian talk to me about the visual aesthetic because i feel like this is the the great crossroads of the cinematic universe and the comic universe and i guess that's by design yes
1: yeah um, i mean early on we thought like hey maybe every episode had its own different look or, or or but that would be really hard to produce uh based on the time and budget that we had Sure. and um and then also like some of the stuff that's done these days you know there's a certain animated look or feel um that i, I just see a lot of and i want to do something different i mm-hmm. didn't want to do stuff that people might already perceive as like oh you're right the animated show i know exactly what that's going to look like it's like no you don't because i wanted to, I, I needed something that, that that felt like it was a nice offshoot of the cinematic universe that we know so i had to stand with live action or feel like it was more accurately borrowed from that or something. So I went to like old American illustrators, famous American illustrators from back in the day, the 20s and the 30s, mainly J.C. Leindecker, because mm. the way he um, drew like his men and women, it was just so uh, iconic. And so, you know, you know, um, they, they looked like heroes already, just slightly pushed in a different way, right? Yes. Slightly stylized in a different way. And so I felt like they could they could stand next to each other to a certain degree. So I felt that was a nice pivoting point. And Ryan Minerding, the main, you know, lead character guy, God of Marvel design, you know, he uh, did the designs for us, and I worked with him. And he's he always wanted to work in animation, and, and he also loves J. C. Leindecker. And when I mentioned that, he was just like, Ah, yes! And then we showed like. Just J.C. Leindecker illustrations to Kevin Feige and we're like, we're going to chase this. Is that cool? He's like, if it looks like that, I'm in.
3: Right the pitch on. can
1: stop now. I'm into this. Let's go for <laughs> it. I love it. So um, so I, th- I think we achieved something unique and I hope well, fans like it.
0: I, I love it. I'm into this. I hope it isn't just 10 mini Marvel movies. I hope you guys get many seasons, uh, but congratulations, you two. Great to meet you both.
2: Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much.
0: The one and only Jeffrey Wright is with me. Congratulations, Jeffrey. The show is absolutely stunning and they've chosen the perfect person to play The Watcher. You're fantastic in the show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, Victor. I've always oh, Victor, uh, felt- take your word for it. Oh, it's it's amazing. I've, you've probably been too busy to see it, but uh, I've always thought you've had one of the best voices in Hollywood and boy, are they using it perfectly in the show. Can you tell us who The Watcher is? The Watcher,
4: uh, as described in Fantastic Four, uh, 1963, uh, the most dramatic being in all the universe. (laughs) That's that's his intro. That's what when he walks into a party. That's how he's described. You know. So, uh, and they play all kinds of music underneath. Um, And I had to try to find a voice that uh, was you know, that would do justice to that. He kind of exists on the outside of things, you know, almost godlike, has unique powers. Um, and as, he, you know, as the name suggests, he observes everything, all, everything in the, throughout the multiverse. He, in some ways, because of that, he's always been there. This is the first time we're seeing him in, you know, the Marvel cinematic realm, but he's always been watching. He's always been observing, you know, quietly uh the question becomes you know um when does he give in to temptation and stop watching ah. and then uh, and, and do something more but we'll see we'll see did you grow up with the
0: books did you read the comics when you were younger
4: or do you I still i wasn't an intense um comic head although i did dabble here and there i always loved the you know the marvel characters they always had a had kind of an edge and a and a modern quality to them that I was intrigued by, um, but I, uh, um, I I became more of a fan, like many of us, when the films um, you know started to come out uh, ten years ago or so, and particularly because I took my son uh, to them. He's nineteen now. He was you know nine or ten. Oh, he grew up with them. He grew yeah, up. That's awesome. He, he was right in the sweet spot. And so. You know, I, I see this stuff through his eyes. And in fact, he's my he's my uh, my 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 Google engine for all, all things <laughs> Marvel. When I asked me uh, if I'd like to be involved in this and this character, the Watcher, I asked him. I said, "Who's the oh wow wow wow?" The Watcher. <laughs> oh
0: so, yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. You're one of the only human beings on Earth that can uh, talk to us about the distinction of being in the DC universe, the Marvel universe. And the James Bond universe—are there differences of uh, you know the way that these studios employ you and work with you? Well, interesting.
4: Like with the the DC stuff, with the Batman stuff, and the and the Bond stuff, there's actually a lot of overlap um, with those in terms of crew. We filmed Batman in in London. We filmed some of the Bond in London. Uh, this last one, some in London, some in Jamaica, but a lot of the same crew. So that's always cool to get back together with the lads. So they have that in common. What if I filmed or rather recorded often in my closet <laughs> and at, home, at, at home in Brooklyn? So that was a little different experience um, from, from those things. Cause we we recorded during the pandemic uh, a few times. And so. sure. That was a little bit different, and of course, the, the similarity too is the is the passion that fans exude for for these franchises, and you know, uh, over many years, the Marvel fans might might be in a you know a realm of their own. Although the, the Batman fans are like uh, nothing that I've quite, uh, and I've been in some big franchises, but uh, the Marvel and, and and the Batman folk are, are they're different, and they overlap too, but they're on a different level. They're on a That's they're on awesome. a watcher like level of intensity with this
0: stuff. <laughs> well, speaking of the watcher, do you envision or hope for a live action version of this character?
4: Well, uh, you know, anything anything goes. Anything goes, and it's all possible. Um and everything exists inside the multiverse. So we'll see we'll see what we see. Awesome. When we see it or Great. when we don't.
0: Well, Jeffrey, it's been an honor to speak with you. Congratulations. I love the show and you're you're doing an amazing job. Thank you, I appreciate sir. that. Thank you, man. I'm with Brad Winderbaum. How are you doing, Brad? Good to meet you.
3: Hey, Victor. Good to meet you, too.
0: Congratulations on uh, What If. I thoroughly have enjoyed the first three episodes and I can't wait to uh, see where you're taking us. I want to ask about the concept and, and how you start on something this massive.
3: You know, um, it's. Standing on the shoulders of giants, uh, to be honest with you. It's got the entire um, MCU before it. Uh, and, and you know, we get to, you know, kind of smash all those Lego sets and rebuild them in whatever form we want to. Um, so, creatively speaking, it's just endless fun um, being able to twist and turn and and, and and readapt all these characters and all these stories. Uh, in brand new ways
0: i i'm envisioning a whiteboard with a bunch of elements from some of the movies and and trying to think of them from different perspectives was that kind of the concept that you guys are
3: you know, kind of the way there, there 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 was a whiteboard there were yeah. cards pinned cards lots of pinned cards you know with various <laughs> concepts and characters and and i think and it's funny ac mentioned it in the in the in the junket um there was a poster by 100% soft that was like all of the you know faces of every marvel hero just you know in in a a giant grid and we looked at that all the time trying to figure (laughs) out what characters to use and where to go
0: (laughs) well this is an amazing show i would imagine to introduce threads for the future as well right i mean clearly um we're getting a head first dive into the multiverse through a lot of the work that marvel's creating right now And it's all connected. So, are are you leaving sort of breadcrumbs for us to kind of speculate about?
3: Uh, Must be absolutely. I mean, it's it's there's breadcrumbs all over the place. If you're looking for (laughs) breadcrumbs, oh yeah, there's we got them.
0: Oh well, I love the breadcrumbs. Chadwick Boseman's last performances in this season. Um, Talk to me a little bit about uh, bringing him aboard, but also working with all of the MCU actors uh, or many of them to reprise their roles.
3: Working with Chad was such a privilege. He really dug in uh, on these characters. Um, You know, he plays more than he plays multiple versions of T'Challa as the series progresses, and Mm. with each one, he. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that leaves it all on the field. I think he's just an artistic force, um, and really treated everything like, uh, you know, with the same gravity that he that he brings to every performance. Um, and it's such an honor for him to, to 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 bring that to to What If, um, and especially knowing what we know now, and that and that it's his last performance in the MCU, which we didn't know at the time. I mean, it's so humbling, sure. um, and uh such a devastating loss. Um, but um, but he, I gotta tell you, like he 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 loved doing it. Uh, he was excited about going into the booth with Brian and um, and exploring the character. Uh, and it was so much fun uh, watching him work. And I think all the actors, you know, that came aboard had fun, kind of like taking a wrecking ball to these characters that they had built over these years. And there was a certain kind of giddiness and euphoria that came with like with like, oh, all right, we're gonna twist this guy and like. And mess him up and come up with something new um i think uh i think there was there was a lot of excitement um around that from uh from our returning cast
0: my favorite of the three that i've seen so far is the captain carter episode but you, you know clearly you know everything that's in store for us you don't have to spoil stuff but do you have a favorite episode and and can you tell us the character i mean i know I can't, that's hard
3: i can't choose a favorite episode um, okay as soon as i start thinking of one i start thinking of another one and why? <laughs> um, but I think part of the magic of the show is that we get to explore so many different uh, frontiers. It's a bit of a mixed bag, like the MCU itself. There's something for everyone. It's, it's, some are dramatic, some are comedic, some are more tragic than others, but they're all hopefully an entertaining experience for the audience.
0: Brad, do you want to let us know if there's going to be future seasons right now? Do you want to take this moment or do we have to wait?
3: Uh, there is, there, is uh, there will be future seasons. We're in production on second season right now. Um, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll have more to say about that very soon.
0: Right on, great to meet you Brad, congratulations and uh, my hat's off to all of you working at Marvel Studios, you're killing it.
3: Thanks so much, Victor, good to meet you.
0: All right, I've got another review for you and this is for Marvel's What If? Now I've been able to see the first three episodes of Marvel's What If, but I think just like AC Bradley told me when I interviewed her, each one of these episodes is kind of like a mini Marvel movie unto themselves. And so what I'm gonna do is every week I'm gonna review each episode. I'm not gonna wait for the totality of the season like I am with the Bad Batch. I'm going to uh, talk about each specific episode. Let's talk about the debut episode which focuses on Haley Atwell's Peggy Carter, or as she comes to be known, as in this episode, Captain Carter, and this is such a cool idea. It was liberally sprinkled throughout the uh, the promotional work for What If. You could see Captain Carter and Steve Rogers uh, and their connection in this animated form, and you know, in little glimpses in all kinds of trailers that uh, Marvel has released for What If. And I was really looking forward to this. I was a bit surprised that this was the first episode because it just felt like a perfect emblematic kind of take on What If can be about, and that's. What I was left with when I watched this episode now I've seen it three times and that should give you an idea of how much I love it. I absolutely love it. Part of it is that I love Marvel's Captain America the first Avenger. Uh, I thought that was an awesome debut for Captain America on screen in the MCU. I think that Chris Evans was perfect in the role. They just did a really nice job at emulating the look and feel of the 1940s and World War II. It had that sepia kind of glow that I just loved and Joe Johnston, the director of that film, who also did The Rocketeer and worked on the Indiana Jones movies, has a special touch with that stuff. And so I love First Avenger. And so what Captain Carter's debut episode in What If is all about is kind of reimagining the scenario. What if Peggy Carter was the one that had to step into the machine and get injected by the super serum and become America's super soldier, you know, and also face up to the rampant sexism that was, you know, a part of culture back during World War II. So it's a really concerted effort to kind of square up against the bigotry and this sort of underestimation that would have been prevalent for women uh, of all stripes uh, back in those days, but especially in a woman with as much fire and um, ability as Peggy Carter has. And so she becomes a tremendous superhero in this episode this mini-movie, and it's just really fun to see her, you know, punch Nazis in the face and go up against the Red Skull and confront all kinds of bad guys in different types of forms, and of course you know, the idea of of the supernatural force that the Tesseract kind of uh, unveils to the characters in this episode. But it's also really interesting to see that relationship with Steve Rogers endure, and that they still have a love for each other. And the way that it's done in this episode, it's very smart. I mean, they bounce from Keith sequence to key sequence from a different shifted perspective of scenes that we're familiar with from the Captain America lore. And it's all pivoted to kind of looking over the shoulder of Peggy Carter and uh, to see how she would handle these specific situations. Um, there are also some pretty cool cameos in here as well. We have Sebastian Stan coming back as Bucky Barnes. We have Toby Jones reprising his role as Arnim Zola. We have Dominic Cooper back as Howard Stark, and Stanley Tucci is back as uh, Doctor Abraham Erskine. It's really cool. So it you know it echoes you know thematically and the, the sort of visual imprint that's a part of the film, but then also audibly you can kind of really connect the dots there. Different actor. It's actually Josh. Keaton playing Steve Rogers, but he does a great job. Very good, very close sound alike. I love this episode. I thought it was a great introduction to what the What If idea is going to be about, and it was just expertly handled. I love the animation. I love the music in it. I was really blown away, and that's why I've seen it three times, and now I've talked about it. I want to go watch it again, Uh, so I'm giving What If's debut episode, Captain Carter, a 9.5 out of 10. You don't want to miss this one.